Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, happy August to you. Hey, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing great. Doing great, Bill. Excellent. It's, it is hard to believe that we're already here August the 1st. Wow. I mean... Um, well, the heat wave that we've been suffering through the last couple of weeks should tell us something, but uh, it's still hard to believe that that, that uh, the summer is is passing by and people are uh, younger folks are going to be starting to focus on hey school's starting back uh, if it starts back. I mean, I I gather that. Uh, a lot of the kids are still going to be at home uh, doing the uh, video uh, conferencing, uh, internet uh, stuff, and oh man, I feel so sorry for for young people and what they're, uh, particularly those who are uh, the uh, rising seniors in high school. My heart goes out to those families uh, simply because uh, at least. Through this fall, it, it seems that they're going to be missing out on so much of what's so special about being in um, high school. And, you know, so much goes on your senior year that, um, well, you know, it's just going to be hard. And I felt sorry for the folks who graduated last year for the same reason, not Absolutely. just from high school, but from college and well. and. You know, they missed all of their spring activities. They missed the prom. They missed graduation for the most part. Uh, you know, it's pretty sad when it comes down to that. But uh, anyway, this morning I, I wanted to start out talking about uh, a, an area that that the schools don't teach. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and uh, or at least most schools don't even broach the topic, and oftentimes parents don't teach it either. The churches don't teach it. You know, nobody seems to teach financial literacy. I mean, just the basics of. It, you know what I'm talking about, Jason. Did you learn anything about uh, how to take care of of uh, finances at all uh, in you know, school? I, I have one lesson that stuck out to me in the seventh grade, where we had to, you know, look through the classifieds, find an apartment, find a job, and sort of balance. The th- but that was one day, one lesson, and that was it. Okay. Well, somebody was thinking, but, you know, uh, back when I was in law school, I I had the privilege of of teaching uh, at a local um, uh, business college, and it was a wonderful job, and I enjoyed it uh, in a big way, and I was teaching adults. But I was teaching, uh, in essence, basic math. Mm-hmm. And and also basic English and and I really enjoyed that and um, my students were wonderful, uh, but I was shocked at what they didn't know. Uh, I mean, how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> you know how important it is to know how much money you have and you know budgeting. 
uh, being able to pay your bills timely. Um, uh, the, you know, it's uh, you know, or you can even go, you know, how to make change. Uh, the folks who, who work in the retail industry, particularly at grocery stores and places like that, they, they learn how to make change. But, uh, but, the, but the rest of the folks don't necessarily know how to do that. And it, so uh, – and, and now, obviously, there are lots of folks that pick it up. I mean, we have to. But the fact is is that the schools don't teach it. And that's a real sad thing. You know, there are a lot of sad things about what is not taught in school. You know, I, one of the things that sort of gets on me is that they, a minute, most of the schools don't teach cursive anymore in terms of how to write or sign your name or, or just write a note or a letter. And <laughs> hopefully during this COVID crisis, uh, <laughs> some folks are going back and actually writing some really cool notes and, and those kinds of things. But um, when wow. it comes to financial literacy, often you, you learn by making mistakes. Well, that's right. And, and of course, th- there is a concept that I, I really have concerns about with our younger generations, because uh, at least as I see it with with um, you know, there are always exceptions to the rules, and, and there are lots of young people who are doing great financially, making lots of money, but the majority of them are struggling. And um, when you realize that most folks are not saving money, they're not putting anything back for the future, part of that is um, the fact that jobs aren't paying uh, what they were paying, and part of it is, I think, you know, just the lack of financial literacy. And so uh, one of the basic concepts that I think a lot of the younger generation, and I realize that my audience is older and I'm preaching to the choir, but, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing, how do we get some of these concepts pushed down to where people really embrace them? And one of the biggest is needs versus wants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, now, what do I mean? What does that r- really mean? It really is focusing on what is the difference between things that you really need to have and things that you want to have, right? Of course. Okay. So, w- one need for most people would be housing, would it not? Sure. Okay. Um, but the the question is, what do we want? Uh, we want the bigger house. We want the bigger apartment. We want the nicer house, the nicer apartment, the more expensive one. But is that a want or a need? It's typically a want. Well, there you go. I mean, in, in essence, we have to recognize that the need is we need a place to stay. We need a, a place to put our head, and we want to make it as comfortable as we can. But if we temper our wants and focus on our needs, then we might be able to put a little money back because we're not spending it on a want. Uh, how about a motor vehicle? Is that a need or a want? For most people, it's a need. Okay. Uh, not everyone, though. No, not everyone. Because there are folks who are able to get by with, without one. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize how expensive it is 
to actually have a car or vehicle that you don't drive. You know, there are a lot of folks that really don't drive very much at all. Uh, and there are different ways of purchasing a vehicle if you have to have one. But just the insurance and the taxes and the tags and the gasoline by itself uh, and the oil changes and the repairs uh, for something that you drive very little is horribly expensive, okay? But, of course, when we get to the need, I think I, I do agree with you that for most folks with the way our country is laid out, um, most folks need to be able to drive to a, a job uh, or, or, or the like. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, but what, what are the, where do the wants come in? Oh, yeah. you got to have the <laughs> highest level trim bill. you got to have that nice stereo system in there. Yeah, or, or you just want new versus used. Right. I mean, um, uh, you know, and, and, and this flows over to business, too. I'll never forget, and this was probably 20 years ago, there was this young fellow who was, uh, had what I thought was a successful business, uh, but but you know he, uh, I, I talked to him as a client and and realized that and he was driving this big beautiful Mercedes, uh, and he was he was leasing it by the way, but he was paying now this was twenty years ago and he was paying like seven hundred fifty bucks oh a month for this monster car which was beautiful and it was like. Uh, yeah, I realize I can't afford it. However, it's it. I I did this for the image of having a successful business, and I'm going. Oh my goodness, that that's doesn't sound like a really good plan. <laughs> so, and of course, as you might expect, he was out of business uh, a year later. But the whole point was he was trying to impress people uh, with what he couldn't afford. And, and so uh, and that, of course, is its own issue because it gets people in trouble because if they can't afford it, what do they have to do to be able to, to keep paying those lease payments? You got to borrow. Exactly. And um, you know, the banks don't want to loan money to people who actually need money. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. You know, uh, and so, you know, back in the day, um, I, I, um, when my, I guess, how far back am I going now? Uh, I guess I'm going back, golly, Dave. 50 years ago, when my brother, he was a young banker with Wachovia Bank, okay, and uh, he was in eastern North Carolina, and I went to visit him, and he said, come on with me, I, got, I, I need to go repossess a washing machine, and, um, and, and we went out to this lady's house, uh, and she was just as nice as she could be, and, and she invited us in, and and it was like, well, there it is. And the bottom line is she, she got into a bad way and couldn't afford it. But the whole point is, back then, banks loaned money in small amounts. You know what? They don't do that anymore. You know why? They make a heck of a lot more money on what? Big loans. Credit cards. Yeah, okay. Not big loans. They, it's just that they don't make small loans. In this, in, instead of making small loans, they give people credit cards, which are dangerous. 
So, I mean, another rule of thumb is don't use credit card except for stuff you can pay off on a monthly basis so that you don't go over and have to pay interest. Because credit cards are, are the bane of our society. They uh, There's so many people that get in credit trouble and they can't get out because credit card rates are so high. It's, it's a spiraling thing. And if all you do is to pay... Um, the minimum payment, it gets worse and worse each month. And and that's another reason that so many people are in trouble. Well, I don't, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but how do we get this to our younger people to say, look, guys, you really, if, if you really want to be able to do well later in life, you've got to live below your means. You've got to be able to save every month. If you really want something, you're better off saving for it and then paying for it than you are borrowing and in the hopes that you will do well enough to be able to pay that loan off in a in a short period of time. And so many folks are quick with the credit card because they want it as opposed to putting the money back in order to paying for it because they actually have the money uh, to purchase something. Now, when it comes to homes and cars, uh, not many of us uh, can do that without borrowing money. But, you know, that's when you can borrow money at a reasonable rate. Uh, and that's a very different kind of thing than the credit card piece. But why don't they teach this stuff? Well, we don't need them to teach it, Bill. We've got you right now. You're taking us to school, teaching us all about financial literacy, and we're going to get into a bunch of other topics. But we do have to take a break. I want to remind everyone that you can always find more information about Bill or schedule an appointment to speak with him by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can find information about Bill's seminars. He's got a new webinar coming up the second week of August. Find that information online at WGALaw.com. Just click on the Seminars button. You can also call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We thank you for joining us today. Bill, you're uh, you're learning us something when it comes to financial literacy because unfortunately these are not lessons that are uh, mandatory when it comes to education. Well, you're right, and, and and there are a number of things, and I, I do think that most people, when it comes to financial literacy, um, uh, do best if they can save enough money. Uh, and, of course, part of it is being settled. That is, uh, knowing where you want to live, where the job opportunities are, uh, where you can buy a home. Uh, obviously, uh, part of it is that if you're moving into an area and you don't expect to live there very long, in other words, your your job is one that keeps you moving around, 
then for most people in that situation, buying a home is not a great idea, you know, because it takes about five years to purchase a home, gain enough equity in it to where you, when you sell it, you actually will not have to take a loss. And that's assuming a normal housing market as opposed to the, you know, the, and of course, it, 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 you know, you do have situations where you have seller's markets versus uh, buyer's markets. And, of course, a buyer is a whole lot better off buying in a buyer's market and sellers are, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But right now in this area, for sure, it's a seller's market. You know, houses are not staying on the market for very long. And, of course, if you want to move up, it's easy to sell your house, but it's hard as the dickens to buy what you want right now because somebody will outbid you. Uh, you know, the folks who are out there looking for houses are desperate. They're they're making bids on, on houses, uh, you know, the five minutes after they've looked at it. Uh, simply because they know if they don't, they'll they'll lose it. It's really a sad situation. But the question, okay, so if assuming that you're settled, you you know you want to live here, and you know you've got a job, and it's a one that you have the opportunity to move up, but you'll still be in this area. Well, buying a home is an excellent investment, uh, and of course. If you can uh, stay there long enough to to basically move up or buy enough to where you can live there for many, many years, one of the things that I truly believe in that's best for most people is to have your mortgage paid off before you retire. That's not an easy thing to do because for most people it takes 20 to 30 years to really actually buy a home and have it paid off and so you have to buy it early enough (laughs) enough to where it gives you enough time to do that but you know this is a controversy among financial people because there are a lot of folks out there that say oh no don't worry about paying it off just just pay the minimum and you know interest rates are low enough so invest your money and you'll end up with more and and totally i totally disagree with that and the reason i do is because if you buy into that theory of not paying off your mortgage you're buying into the theory that the market is always up and that uh that that times will always be perfect um and you know if that were the case i think that there's a good argument for doing it but the fact is, is we live in an imperfect world. Tom, you know, the markets are not, not always up. The markets go down. And uh, your uh, most retirees just hate the, the, the times when they, they are invested and they lose their shirt in the market. And they're going, oh, what have we done? This is terrible. Well, the fact is, if your house is paid off, the two things are really good for you. Number one, you don't have to worry about losing your home because the market has gone down. You can't afford to pay for it anymore. You, you, uh, you're, and normally, most folks, when they retire, are on a fixed income. They have Social Security. They might have a pension. They might not. They normally have retirement accounts they can draw from. But they have limited funds. The biggest concern, we don't want to run out of money. Um, so guess what? You know, having your home paid off helps with all of the above. 
because, number one, your fixed income will go much farther because you're not having to pay rent and you're not having to pay for that mortgage payment each month, which, of course, is a significant drain on anyone's budget if you're still having to pay a mortgage. So, again, having that mortgage paid off before you retire stretches that fixed income in a big, big way so that you don't have that to worry about. And I, to me, that security allows you to sleep at night not having to worry about it, and it also gives you the opportunity to, to uh, maximize your investments otherwise, you know, the money that you do have. Uh, and so I, I want to talk about that because, to, you know, we're, we don't just have a, 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 a vacuum as it relates to financial literacy. We also have the same problem when it comes to investment literacy, you know, and of course, there's lots of controversy about how to do that. Um, and so I, I have my own opinions, and I, I want to talk about what I consider to be some of the basics when it comes to financial literacy as well. Well, we'll get into that in just a bit. Remember, you can always find more information about Bill at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com, or you can call 919-256-7000 if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander. He's the expert in this regard. And Bill, we're talking uh, about financial literacy. Well, we kind of wrapped up that discussion, but um, we were just talking about how uh, as as much misinformation or lack of information, I should probably say, with financial literacy, there's, there's probably equal, if not more, when it comes to investment literacy. Probably more. And of course, what we've been talking about with financial literacy, um, you, you know, that's the kind of thing we need to to, to talk with our children about, with our grandchildren. They're, you can't start too early uh, because where are they going to uh, get it from if you don't talk to them about uh, these issues? I mean, the, the fact is is that most people don't even think about how to do it. Uh, you know, uh, there, there are some games out there that you can play that help. There are tools that you can look up and use but you know that's really important thing for us to do but when it comes to investment literacy that applies to all of us it applies to people who are young it applies to folks who are retired Uh, it it applies to the folks who are listening today Uh, (laughs) so uh now is uh, are there lots of different opinions on how to invest and what's the best way to do it and all that goes of course there is so i'm just talking about what i believe to be the most important things um for everyone and and so where do i start the first thing i mean because the first thing we have to do is number one live below our means so that we can save money right so the first 
most important thing to me when it comes to investment literacy is that you have to start with savings. Savings aren't investments. Savings are (laughs) risk-free. Okay. Savings, uh, uh, that's what you do at the banks and at the credit unions. And I'm not talking about the investment side of the bank. I'm talking about the savings side of the bank. So savings accounts, certificates of deposit, CDs, uh, things like that are savings and uh, now you have to watch out because so much um a lot of the savings particularly right now are not even giving us enough money to to combat inflation so you you hope that you can find savings that um, will at least meet inflation so that you're staying on a level playing field But the fact is that if you don't have a savings bucket, then your investments have to be tempered in such a way that you can't make near as much money on the investment side. But if you have a a, – now, why do you need a savings bucket, Jason? Why do you think that that's an important part of investing? Well, you need that in case something goes wrong, in case you have an emergency. Well – it's more than that, okay? And that's, that's why I asked you, is because the savings bucket is so that you have a pile of money that you can, um, you know, basically dip your hands into and get a hold of when the stock market crashes, when it goes down. See, the worst time to take money out of the stock market is when it crashes, because and that's exactly what so many people do, because they get scared. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it. You know, to to invest in the stock market, you do have to have a little bit of stomach, <laughs> okay? Because the stock market is and will always be volatile. It will go up and it will go down. It tends to go up a little more than it goes down. But you don't necessarily know when it's going to go up or when it's going to go down. And it just seems that when everybody's telling you the market is great, the market is wonderful, the market is up, 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 guess what? Get ready for a crash. Because <laughs> so many folks won't invest in the stock market until it seems safe. Well, guess what? That's the worst time. Because that means that the market is up, and it's probably been up long enough for you to be comfortable. Okay, so when do you? When's the best time? I mean, financial literacy, investment literacy is is the same when it comes to your best investments, whether it's real estate or in the stock market. Alternative investment is buy low, sell high. Right? Of course. Well. If, when it comes to the stock market, if you are uh, comfortable and, you know, have confidence, and guess what? The market is probably high. It's probably overpriced. It's, you're, you, you, you have this confidence level because it's, it's been going pretty well for a good while. Well, guess what? You know, not, not necessarily your best time now that doesn't mean not to invest during those periods of time 
But it simply means that um, temper when you're that comfortable. And when you see that the stock market, if you have, if you've got money to invest, then the timing of when you put your money in or how you put your money into the market is extremely helpful. Because <laughs> if you can buy when the market has crashed and seems to to what we call a trough where it's actually starting to go back up with some volatility, then that's a much better time to buy because you're buying low. And, you know, the one thing about the market that's always occurred is after a crash, you know what's always happened with the markets? What's that? They go back up. (laughs) So, you know, the whole point is you have your savings – to be able to get you through the time so that you never have to touch your stock market investments when the market has crashed or it has gone down significantly or correct what they call a correction. So that's what your savings bucket is for. Yes, it's for emergencies because you need a pile of money to buy a new car or put a new roof on the house or a new HVAC or something that, uh, you know, the car is broken down uh, and you got to have it fixed. You know, uh, you know, there are a million things out there that that say, oops, you, you got to we need a little bit of extra money now. And and so that is what your savings bucket is for so that your investments can continue to grow yes when the market is high if you need to take it out then absolutely but that's what it's all about so you know it it, you know savings is the most important and then at least from my perspective uh the folks who only have savings you know, you know, hopefully they have enough money where they, they know they won't run out, but they're still in trouble. So because, you know, they're never going to make money. They're just going to be able to live on what they have if they're only in savings. So the next question is, all right, where do we take our money in the stock market? Do, do, we, do we just put it into what's called an index fund? Maybe. That's one way to do it. But let's talk about that when we come back. We will do just that. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF news, talk, traffic. I want to remind you, if you want to find more information about Bill, head on over to WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for this month's seminars slash webinars where Bill will be educating you when it comes to long-term care assistance and also asset protection and trusts. Again, you can find all that information. It's free to register. Head on over to WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill, we're having a fun talk this morning. We're, mm-hmm. We've talked about financial literacy. We're talking about investment literacy as well. 
Well, when it comes to investing in the stock market, and of course there are lots of other investment opportunities, the the biggest one that a lot of folks realize is, is real estate, and, and that has some advantages as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep the conversation towards um, stock market type of, of, of investments, and I think it's helpful, um, really helpful, when it comes to the uh, stock market to have a long-term perspective, having, having long-term goals rather than short-term goals. You know, uh, having a short-term goal in the stock market is extremely dangerous uh, because the market is so volatile. Uh, it goes up and it goes down. And if you're hoping to make a bunch of money in a short period of time on the stock market, that is really not the place to be. So a long-term perspective uh, is much safer than a short-term perspective. The, the other thing, too, is some people will say, okay, let's just buy an index fund. They're cheap. In other words, they're not, uh, ex, uh, they're not a lot of costs inside of an index fund. Um, and, okay, so one, in fact, one index fund that most investment advisors use as their gauge of success is the S&P 500 index. And, and that is not a bad way to go. A lot of foundations use an index fund uh, as a, a tool for part of their investments. However, an index fund is by definition highly volatile. Why? Because they're investing in a broad spectrum of the stock market, which is what? Highly volatile. Okay, so <laughs> uh, are there ways to reduce that volatility? Yes. Um, and, and I believe that uh, for most folks, having a moderate risk fund that is moderately volatile is where most retirees should be, as opposed to necessarily – because when you say low volatility, low risk, that's basically close to a savings bucket where you're really not going to have sufficient returns – uh, for your money to actually make money for you. And so I think if you have a savings bucket, then you can take a little more risk with your investments if you have a long-term uh, approach uh, or perspective uh, to that. Uh, so I like um, a moderate risk. I'm, I'm not one who particularly uh, appreciates uh, high risk or high volatility, which you find. I also have a prejudice towards exchange-traded funds uh, versus mutual funds. I'm not fond of mutual funds exchange because you don't know how much you're paying for a particular fund or what you're getting, or what you're selling, because um, you, you know you basically say buy now or sell now, and it and you don't buy when you say to buy it. It it basically you buy or sell at the end of the day, and and of course the market can go way up or way down between the time you say buy or sell and the time it actually is sold or or bought for you. Exchange traded funds are not like that. They're they're like equities, you know, like buying into a stock. You can buy at that moment, uh, or you can sell at that moment, and they have lower costs. So I like exchange traded funds, but there is one advantage to mutual funds and exchange traded funds over buying single company stock, and that is it's diversified. 
but you have to know what you're buying. Diversification helps because if one company goes down, you have a lot of other companies that are not going down. And so that's where diversification helps a whole lot. So there are a lot of things like that that help. And for those folks where the gobbledygook I'm talking about uh, today uh, is just that. In other words, you don't have any understanding of what I'm talking about. You need a financial advisor. You should <laughs> somebody who can help you with this kind of, of stuff. Uh, you shouldn't be going it alone. Now, there are folks who are interested in the market. They keep up with it. They're not experts, but they are expert about themselves. And oftentimes those folks can do fine as long as they have a good perspective on how how to take care of themselves and their family but for all the rest of us having a financial advisor is is a very important decision to make and you have to have somebody that you have confidence in and and that understands you and will communicate with you on a regular basis to know what your needs are know what your risk tolerance is if you will uh, and to make sure that you get into an appropriate investment for you because we're all unique and we all have different needs when it comes to that. Now, I, the, the next piece that I want to talk about, and I may just have to wait till next week, but I get started this week, is on retirement accounts because, you know, retirement accounts are a big deal. In fact, years ago, um, retirement accounts weren't that large, and our biggest investment was always our house. Today, the retirement account is typically much larger than the value of our homes. And so how to deal with retirement accounts is another lesson, if you will, uh, because now you have new rules with retirement accounts in terms of how to take them out yourself. And I do think that folks really need to, to be educated on when to t – I mean, it, what I'm saying is that there's so many folks who think that the only way to take a retirement account is to take required minimum distributions and no more than that. And they, they think in those terms because that uh, gives them the least amount of tax at the time. But that's not necessarily the best way to do it. And so I, I, this might be a teaser here for next week. <laughs> but the fact is, is that uh, there are a lot of different ways of taking retirement account money out. And so you have to look at several different things because with a normal and, – and, and part of this discussion is do I convert – from an ordinary retirement account to a Roth retirement account. Uh, and we, uh, that's another lesson that we want to talk about. But what I'm getting at is in order to understand how to take uh, your retirement account, you have to know your tax bracket and where you fit in with that tax bracket because you might be able to do better at a lower tax rate if you take more than minimum required distributions. And I'm not saying necessarily to spend it just because you're taking the distribution. You can invest it, uh, it you know, but the question is when to take it. And of course, the other big factor, other than your tax bracket, is 
are you married? And how, what's the health of you and your spouse? In other words, is it likely that you will lose a spouse at some point in the next few years? Well, that can make a huge difference in whether you take distributions or more than minimum distributions. Um, another issue that is related to tax bracket is what we call IRMAs, and, and that is how much you pay for Social Security benefits, uh, which all retirees have to do. Uh, but, you know, the, the normal folks pay like $140 a month for their Part B coverage for Social Security. But if your income is high, you can be paying three or $400 a month for your Social Security. And if you're married, both of you, you <laughs> are paying two, three, four hundred dollars for Social Security. So, and that's based on what your income. And guess what? If you take your retirement distributions, that is ordinary income that's added to your Social Security and all the other income you have. So, those are factors that you have to take into consideration when you're looking at: Do I take extra money? Or uh, do I just take minimum required distributions, or do I convert to Roth? There's lots of variables and lots of things to consider, and uh, Bill, unfortunately, we will have to pick up on this next week, but uh, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll wrap up the show right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I want to remind you it's not too early to register for Bill's August seminar that is happening uh, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday after that. You can register online for free at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. These will be in the form of webinars. All you need is uh, a device with internet access and an email address, and you can register for free at WGALaw.com. Just click on the Seminars button. There's two seminars to choose from. There's the Long-Term Care Assistance Seminar and the Asset Protection Seminar. Again, find those at WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000, Two five six seven thousand. Join us again next Saturday. We'll continue our conversation all about retirement accounts and converting accounts. Uh, we hope you'll join us next Saturday at eleven for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM ninety eight five AM six eighty WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend.